0: Just quickly, before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing on whatever platform you've been listening? It really helps the podcast grow.
1: Right, we're back with episode 77 of The Midnight Pod, and it's the first episode of what I've seemed to have been calling season three, and I've jumped in the studio with Dylan, who's my guest, which we'll get into a second, somewhere in fucking southeast London. I don't even know it around here, but it's pretty local to where I am. We're doing back-to-back episodes, and things probably could have gone on for three hours, but it's a sober episode. And that's probably a good thing because I'm hungover from last night and I feel a bit of brain fog. But you're my, not I was going to say first Australian guest, you're definitely not. Mm. But Dylan, you're the founder of Happy Skin Co. Yeah. And I feel like you've spent, well, you, we've just done back to back episodes. You spent the last 90 minutes getting to know me. I'm not going to do that with way less preparation <laughs> about you, um, even though I've got a good idea from the, the last 90 minutes we just did. I guess the first question I ask everyone, um, where the fight did it all start really? And I asked that for the audience, but also myself, because mm-hmm. I've done no research and in the style of the Midnight Pod, it's pretty fucking casual.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like, how far back do you want to go? Like at what point?
1: Well, you're 29 now. You've been running Happy Skin Co for five years, you said. Mm. What was before that? It's actually, I'll, I'll take you from uni,
0: but I'll make a long story short. Uh, like I said, in the previous pod, I was my whole life, all through high school, I wanted to be a lawyer, got to uni, two weeks in realized I fucking couldn't think of anything worse than becoming a lawyer. So I was actually quite depressed in uni. I hated it. Um, and I thought, and this is where it gets really random, what's the opposite to being a lawyer? Um, so I decided, I don't know why this popped into my head. I don't know where it came from that I'm going to become an actor. And I wasn't a drama kid in school. I didn't do any of that shit. And I acted for like four or five years, had an agent, film some shit, which was fun. It was a fun lifestyle. I you know went to an acting school studio for... For four years, had a lot of fun, met a lot of cool people, didn't have to do the whole traditional, you know, uni path, but it got to the point for me and I was actually really good in school. Like I topped most of my classes or if not in the top two or three where I just didn't have enough control over my life. Like, you know, I knew too many really good actors that had won awards like Logies, which is like a, a, the Australian, you know, TV awards who had to clean a pub for a job because they couldn't mm. make enough money. So I thought-
1: Star me
0: I'm gonna go back to corporate. I'm gonna give corporate a try. I'm gonna get into sales because obviously I didn't have a uni degree or anything like that. I thought, let me give this a try. You know, I'll work my way up, earn a few hundred thousand a year, and I'll be happy. Again, didn't take long before I realized that everyone doing this is fucking depressed. They live for the weekend, they hate what they do. So I um I saw I met a guy there who had a little econ brand just selling, you know, men's accessories, pocket squares, ties, socks. And I thought, what's all this shit, bro? Like he's, he's brought in his stuff. He starts flogging it, trying to sell it to people in the office. And he's like, oh, I just started a brand. I'm like, what do you mean you just started a brand? He's like, oh, I found a supplier in China, mm. you know, put my logo on it and sold it. And that blew my mind. And then I started, you know, binging podcasts, like Gary Vee was a big influence on me hearing. And this is the first time I ever had met anyone normal that had started their own business. And it all went from there and um, got together with a mate of mine who we we used to work in a gym together. And we thought, dude, let's fucking start a business together. We didn't know what it was going to be. We knew we wanted to be in beauty because of, you know, how much money women spend. Um, we knew we wanted to be, we wanted to find a product that we could take something that used to be done in like a more formal setting. Cause like two of our biggest inspirations in terms of brands were High Smile and Bondi Sands. Yeah. Teeth whitening used to be done in a, in a dentist's chair. Mm. Now you do it at home. Same thing with fake tan. And yeah, I mean, I can keep going, but I just thought. So you got a co-founder. Yeah, I had a co-founder. but had? Uh, yeah. So I thought it was months, just you. Yeah, well, after nine months. Okay. And, um, yeah. But we're still great mates, but he wanted to go on doing his own thing. So we, uh,
1: yeah. It sounds way more logical than me because, as I was saying before, I just kind of sort of fell into a thing and then another thing and another thing and then eventually got a bit more logical with it. But you decided you wanted to be in beauty, which doesn't strike me as something that a hair removal device yep. at that as well. Mm. doesn't strike me like something you would use. Not at all. And that's- So what was the logic with that?
0: That's the thing is like, and, and I've changed a lot now that I've been in business for over five years. Like, I'll be honest with you, and this is obviously something that a lot of business owners make up these bullshit. Not that not that it's always bullshit excuses. Like your 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 reasoning for getting into your field was right. But like a lot of people start their first business to make money. Mm. And not a lot of people want to admit that. And I'm a person that obviously I'd never done laser hair removal. I didn't, I couldn't care less about laser hair removal. Actually, my product, as you can see, I've got like reddish hair. I could, my product wouldn't work on me even if I wanted it to. So really? no, but what we did was we were really strategic with it. We we knew that culturally hair removal in Australia is very different to the UK. It's very different to the US. The UK is probably more similar to Australia, but laser hair removal in every single, you know, Westfield shopping center or whatever they're called here, every corner of a Westfield, there was a laser hair removal clinic. Every girl I'd ever met had done it or had tried laser hair removal. We're currently doing it. So we thought if we could take a product and do that, you know, take a product where chicks can do this at home in their own time. We're going to be onto something here, but we didn't know it was possible. So this is how green we were. We, I didn't know Alibaba existed. I didn't Mm. know any of that stuff existed. This is my first foray into e-commerce, into business. Um, And where it all started, actually, I haven't thought about this for a fucking while, but we saw an ad for a drop shipping brand. It was a little, you've probably seen this exact product a hundred times. It was a little shaver with a light on the end of it. Mm. And we saw that and we thought, fuck, is that a laser hair removal you know, device that you can do at home? It turns out it wasn't. And like I said, we didn't know about Alibaba. So we spent probably about six weeks on LinkedIn finding product engineers, mm-hmm. trying to trying to find someone that could design this product for us and make it work. And mind you, we didn't have that much money in the bank. We had probably 10, 12 grand each. So half that, probably 6,000 pounds in the bank mm-hmm. each. So it's not like even if we wanted to, we could have designed and engineered our own product. But I don't remember how. Eventually, we stumbled across um, Alibaba, and we thought, "Fuck! There's like a whole marketplace of manufacturers that you can connect with, and and you know, if you wanted to, just slap a logo onto their product and sell it." And that's how we come across the product. But there, but being at the nature of our product, there was a lot of safety things we had to look into first. A lot of legality things that we had to tick off. But as soon as we 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 found that the product existed, or a very similar version of the product existed, that we could buy. Um, from Alibaba, again, we didn't have to engineer a product. We, we started going pretty heavy into, into some market research and we were the weirdos in the street, you know, stopping girls saying, Hey, can, this is going to seem really weird, but can we ask you a bunch of questions about hair yeah. removal? And they're like, who's these two dudes in their mid twenties asking us, but everyone was really cool with, uh, about it. And we would have interviewed probably 150 women and just said, Hey, have you tried laser hair removal in the past? What was your experience like? Are you still doing it? If not, why did you stop? If you could change anything about it, what what would you change? And the main ones, I guess, were always like it's expensive, it's annoying. Once a month, you got to go book an appointment, go out of your way, go into the to the local clinic, take time out of your your calendar to do that. You know, there's random girls all up in your grill, in your armpits, in your you know downstairs and whatnot. It's painful, and we just saw a lot of a lot of really outdated problems with the market. And we, as soon as we knew that. We could get the product. The next step was, fuck, we got to test it because you see a product like this, you think there's a good chance it's too good to be true. Like you're not actually going to get the results from it. And um, we we ordered some samples and my business partner, George, tested it. As I said, I won't work on me because my hair is too light. And he started testing and he didn't actually tell me about it at the start. And he's like, bro, I've got something to show you. And I go over his place. <laughs> that, that sounds really fucking wrong. Hmm. Um, but he showed me the before and after photos of, of his arm. He did this random patch on his arm and I'm telling you, two, three weeks in, there was fucking a massive, massive difference in how much hair was growing back. So from that point, we we put all our cash into stock, which was probably of the twenty grand we invested, we probably spent sixteen grand on stock. Um, I had about a thousand dollars in the ba- in my bank account after, and we ordered one hundred and ten units. Ten of them were to send to influencers; the other hundred were to sell. Um, and we'd sold out in like the first week. Genuinely, pretty,
1: pretty textbook. Pretty. Just going back before that. Yeah. Did you ever like sit down and be like, these are five things we could do? Or was it always you'd had a conviction with hair removal for whatever reason and you thought, fuck, we need to just figure this out.
0: No. And look, you say it was more strategic. It got to that position. But I remember, and again, all this stuff I haven't thought about for fucking ages. So it's Mm. like, I'm really going back there and you ask me these questions. But I remember there was, there was a week we were exploring a vegan dating app just because we thought like that's on the rise. Dating apps are on the rise. Like we, 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 bounced around ideas for a while, but as soon as we found beauty, then we knew, I think that's a good market for us to be in. Obviously it's it proven us right. Brands in beauty that, that we're launching were being successful. Like What I've noticed and what we've noticed, this is consistent over the last five years since we've launched in Australia. There's probably like two or three notable e-commerce brands that pop off mm. and like 90% of them are in beauty every year, nearly all the time. So obviously now- supplements and, and and natural health products are probably the last couple of years have really started to become yeah. more prevalent. But no, nah, for us, it was as soon as we thought we had the idea of beauty in our head, we didn't look back.
1: How soon do you quit your job? Well, that was a good- Before we get to that? Yeah. No, no. We'll, did you did you go like cold turkey or focus on this or was this on the side?
0: Well, everything happens so quickly for us and, and, and it makes it difficult- when I tell people to like set realistic expectations because like we were genuinely the e-commerce fucking dream scenario, right? Like we launched, I'll tell you the story. I've told it a million times, but I, we, we launched day one, right? We started writing Facebook ads. I was about to jump in bed 1130 at night. So
1: you got hundred units in stock, hundred units in stock, 110. And How much you signed it for?
0: Uh, about $250 Australian. Yeah. So about half that for pound. And, um, 1130 at night, I, I go to bed, I get a phone call from George. He's like, bro, we just got our first sale. So I jump out of bed, drive over to his place. He lived about five minutes away from me and we're out in the suburbs. Like we mm. weren't in the city. Like it was a pretty, um, pretty basic, simple kind of boring life in a way compared mm. to what we live now. Um, but that's, but that's all I knew. I was a, a public school kid, grew up in the suburbs, didn't come from money, didn't know any, anything like that. So got our first sale where we're, we're you know, crack a bottle of champagne, we're choosing, we're high-fiving, like carrying on like little girls, but we were really excited because it's like, this is a fucking brand new piece of technology. Like we were lucky. It was all timing for us. We launched Happy Skin Co. We found it and started working on Happy Skin Co. Six months after these manufacturers had registered the patents. So we were super early on. As far as I know, we were definitely the first brand in Australia to launch it. So we had the, Mm. the first movers advantage. But that was sick. You know, we're we're talking about, look, this proves the concept. Some random person bought it. Um, We're really confident this is going to work. But Was that
1: from influencers or Facebook ads?
0: That was just from Facebook ads. Right. That was from a Facebook ad. Um, So next day we go home. Second day we don't get any sales. But we're like, look, that's all good. We know this was going to be a process. We launched in April 2018. My whole goal for April was just to be able to get to the position where I, I don't have to you know work. I was working in corporate sales. I was mm. li- genuinely selling pens and papers. I worked for a stationary company. Laptops and shit as well, but literally the most boring job ever. I mean, it was pretty chill in the fact that I'd have three or four meetings a day. I'd only have to go into the office once or twice a week. But I took that job strategically because I knew it would give me a lot of time to, mm. to, to work on the business. Um, second day, no sales, but we're like, that's all good. Where, you know, we had the conviction it's going to be all right. The third day, we had our first influencer post. Now, this was a guy off the Bachelor in Australia, mm. the Bachelor in Paradise. We um we sent him a product. We didn't even know at the time. We like I said, we sent out ten to influencers. We didn't know, you know, how much influencers were worth. If we should pay people, who's the right type of influencer? We fucking knew nothing as our first business ever. So we just sent it to you know ten people that would you know post it just for the product. And this guy, when we when we first come across him, he had about twenty thousand followers. And then by the time we'd actually launched, as you know, with launching brands, there's little things that go wrong, launch dates get pushed back. We ended up launching about a month after we originally wanted to. Um, So by then he'd gone from 20,000 followers to 50,000 followers. But to his credit, he was like, nah, look, I I agreed that with you guys, I'll still post it for free. He posted at about seven o'clock at night, 7.30 at night. Between 7.30 and midnight, we'd made like five and a half grand. By the time I wake up in the morning, that was like seven and a half grand. And this was from two kids who like, I was earning probably a little bit over a thousand dollars a week mm. trading like my whole fucking time. So that was like a big moment for us. So what we did from there, we reached out to everyone else on the show that we could. We booked as many diff- uh, collabs with an- anyone who would accept from the show. We sold out in, like, as I said, we sold out all the stock by the end of the week. And then we... um we didn't catch up. Like we were selling stock we didn't have for about the first four or five months because we were like, we're not fucking stopping.
1: And just putting like a pre-order notice on the website or what?
0: Yeah. At the start, we didn't even do that. And then we're like, fuck, we, we have to do that. So we put a pre, mm-hmm. we put a pre, pre-order notice on the website. This is how like fucking funny it is. Like how far we've come. We were handwriting cards, putting little like love heart lollipops into an envelope and sending that.
1: You're shipping to, it all yourself. Obviously.
0: Shipping it all ourselves. Yeah. No 3PL. Um, and then because we were pre-selling so much stock, like we ordered 110, we took all that money and we ordered 300 hmm. and then we took all that money and we ordered 500. So it took to the point where, you know, probably like four or five months in until we actually had stock in the warehouse to sell. And what that meant was every time stock would come in, you know, it, it, it arrive and we're f- fulfilling orders until fucking like 4am the next morning. And then, you know, absolutely shattered. So we, I quit my job two weeks after we launched.
1: Shit. That That is a textbook story. So first five months then, how big did it get to in terms of like monthly revenue by like month five? And also was that was that influencers and Facebook ads or was it, it was, mainly influencers?
0: It was both. So until Black Friday, I'd say predominantly most of our sales were coming from influencers. And like the value for influencers back then was crazy. We'd pay someone 500 bucks, that'd make us like six grand back. Mm. So it was like, obviously again, the influencer market, has changed a lot but then it got to black friday and that was the first time we had ever done your what do you call it chad scaling yeah <laughs> we just thought fuck it you know we're just going to scale these budgets until shit breaks and then we like shit didn't break for a long time so like fuck and then yeah we took us three months to make our first million um and then three months three months that's pretty quick yeah pretty quick um but like especially for your first business yeah that's what i mean like we had stupid expectations of how easy mm. the rest of the journey was going to be. You know what I mean? Um, and the problems didn't probably, they probably didn't start coming to, to the second year and we can get into that in a bit. But um, yeah, we made 12 and a half million in our, essentially in our first year.
1: Fucking hell. Yeah. Aussie.
0: Aussie so half that year. That's
1: still that's still incredible, yeah. especially for a first brand. So at the end of the first year, you've done those numbers it must be like a fucking whirlwind. Is you and your co-founder was he there until the end of the first year? You mentioned um, nine a little
0: months. bit, a little bit earlier on. Yeah.
1: Why did he leave?
0: Well, he was going to go fucking build an app. He was going to build like a. a, a um, they're everywhere now, like the QR codes in restaurants. They didn't. Mm. That wasn't around, and he was going to go build that. He spent six months looking into that. He was going to take his money. Obviously, I had to buy him out with cash from the business, which was. Again, I've never really spoken about this on the podcast, which was great because obviously like I didn't have to give away any cash from my bank account, but it also probably limited stuff we could do for a little bit. So we had to, to, to adjust, but, um, yeah, he's probably, and he'll say this, like enjoyed being a a solo founder, you know what I mean? Um, but I've, I've realized going to this, like I started a business with a business partner and I've got other businesses with partners now, Joe's a, Joe's a partner in another one of the businesses I have. I would take being a co-founder over a solo founder every day of the week.
1: Really? Mm. Maybe I should listen to that, boss.
0: Because, dude, like you said, business is so fucking lonely. And it's not that, you know, I feel sorry for myself, but it's like the highs aren't like, when am I going to go up to my best mate who doesn't have a, a business? And be like, bro, I just fucking made a million dollars this month. Like you can't, you can't share that with anyone unless they're, experiencing the same things and they're along with that journey for you. So as much as I think as it's great to share the lows with with someone and 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 work out, you know, lock yourself in the war room when when something goes wrong and figure it out together, I think even more so to share the to share the wins with someone makes it Mm. so much more rewarding, so much more fun. All right, guys, just quickly, I've got some news. I've spent close to the past 18 months building the ultimate program that takes you through the complete process, and I mean the complete process of launching and scaling your very own e-commerce brand from zero all the way up to a million dollars plus per year. And now with this program, what you're gonna get access to is 15 modules with over 100 training videos and 23 hours of in-depth content, taking you through everything you need to know to build a successful e-com brand. And this is the important part. This isn't just stuff that you can look up on YouTube. This is stuff I've taken from real lessons and experiences building Happy Skin Co. from zero all the way up to an eight-figure per year brand. You're gonna get access to loads of custom tools, templates, and calculators that I've used to build and run Happy Skin Co. There's going to be one-on-one mentoring with myself and other expert coaches. And there's also weekly group Q&A calls with myself to make sure you're feeling completely supported throughout the entire process. And now what I've learned from consulting to everyone from people starting their very first e-commerce brand all the way up to brands already doing seven figures plus per year, is that there's a process and a framework to follow if you want to be successful with e-com. Now, if this is something you're interested in, hit the link below and go to join.viralbrandbuilder.com. All the information's there and you can book a call directly with me. Otherwise, send me a DM and we can chat there. Anyway, let's get back to the pod. Do
1: you think he, he regrets leaving?
0: Nah, because he's got, an, he's got another fucking really successful business. And... um. It took I think he launched it probably about a year and a half after he left. Because he spent the six months looking at the e-commerce, I know. E-commerce, yeah, hair care. Can you share what the brand is? Yeah, it's Georgie Main. Um I don't know if they they I think they're in the UK. Do you know? Georgie Main's like hair masks, shampoo, hair masks,
1: yeah. I have a mate that was looking at that for a while.
0: Yeah. And um, but they re- like he took the biggest lesson that, and we and I can get into it now, I guess. Um consumables. Mm. Happy skin co. Obviously the name, Happy Skin Co., we weren't, there was no intention to be solely a hair removal brand, but, you know, trademarking limitations come in and yeah. So he's done, he's done really well on that. Like I think they've just signed a big uh, retail deal nationwide in Australia. So they're doing really well. So no regrets. And I have no regrets in him leaving because we wouldn't have been where we are. I wouldn't be the business person I am because I would have only got half the context. Mm. Now, to be honest, when, when it first happened, I fucking, I wasn't, I wasn't happy about it because like I wanted to play a team sport, you know what I mean? But yeah, everything happens for a reason. I think every, every it worked out better for both people for sure. Yeah. But at the time I was like, fuck, you know, we just, we had like 10, I had to hire like the whole second year, we probably got up to like 12 or 13 staff. And I'm this 24 year old, 25 year old kid hiring people that are 40 years old and trying to figure out how the fuck do I, you know, motivate and manage someone who's you know, 16 years older than me, it was a
1: challenge. Yeah. So my next question was going to be, how did it look at, after the end of the first year? You kind of just answered it, but what was the setup? Was it a 3PL? Were you still fulfilling stuff yourself? Did you have an office? What, yeah. what did the lifestyle look like?
0: So we, um we had a, we were in like a, I don't know if they have them in, in the UK. They probably do, maybe just not in the city, like a mixed use in, industrial a,
1: park. A, a co-work space. No. Oh, so right.
0: it was like, um we're in like a, a little co commune thing i guess i don't know what i mm, could call yeah. it um there was like six six um there were six warehouses so it was mainly like next door was a cleaning company we had like carpenters and shit like it was it was pretty shit to be honest our first place it was a little bit run down but it was like big it was like probably had like 250 square meters mm. all downstairs was stock in our warehouse and our pick packing team and then upstairs was we had a studio for shooting content we had an office and where the team worked. so that's how it looked then um and we've moved a couple of times that we actually didn't get a three PL. We're fulfilling all of our own orders until maybe 18 months ago when we started in retail. But we
1: did So now, like, now you got a three PL.
0: Yeah. F- yeah. We got a three PL for all our international orders and for all our retail stuff that's based in Ohio in the US. Um, but we still ship all of our own Australian orders to this day. And like I've never done that.
1: I've never had like the the warehouse picking, and packing and stuff. I did shipping from a bedroom with like my clothing brand years yeah. and years ago, but I loved it, I don't know.
0: man. I fucking loved having everyone under the one roof. Mm. Some of the best times. And like, that's why you look back. It's like, once you've, you know, you get used to a level of living or a level of success or a level of achievement. And it's like the things that used to make you really happy don't really make you happy anymore. It's like, I don't, it sounds sad. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, it was just my life changing so rapidly in front of my eyes. It was like the most wild experience ever. Like I said, I was earning probably a grand a week. After tax, would be, it'd be less than a grand a mm. week. Living at home with my parents to like making millions of dollars profit in like year one and year two. Like there's multiple millions in profit in like the first, both year one and year two. It's fucking nuts, man.
1: That was a pretty unusual rise to be fair.
0: Bro, it was fucking crazy. And like one of my biggest role models at the time- it was Gary V. Like, I watched heaps of it, like, binge heaps of his content, like a lot of people do. And because I was commuting, f- so you lived in Sydney for a bit. I was like in the Southwest and I was commuting all the way up to Chatswood, like, mm. past the northern, like, past the, past the northern beaches. So I was on a train for like two hours a day, listening to like all these fucking, like, anything I could. And like, some people have excuses. I don't know how to start a business. Fucking, do you know how much content on YouTube? Like, mm. So I was just binging Gary V content and, um, it was probably about a year after we launched. I ended up fucking traveling around the world. I got to spend three days with Gary in London, three days with him in Sydney. I was in his office with him in New York for four for four days. And then there was this moment when I was in, in Gary's office um, in Manhattan. And I realized that within 18 months, I went from being this kid that like grew up in the suburbs, didn't come from money at all. Like I never went on an international holiday with my family. Like, Maybe once every couple of years, we'd go state. Like, didn't have any money, or any any role models like that around me. But for some reason, which I, I don't really understand why, I always had a lot of self belief. But I went from like having nothing and no business, no money, and living a life of fucking hated to you know having millions of dollars in the bank and you know standing a meter away from Gary V, drinking wine, looking at the fucking Manhattan skyline. I was like, fuck, life's pretty wild, man. Pretty surreal. Pretty surreal, yeah.
1: was a fast rise. Mm. Year two then. How are you growing the business? I well, I guess from year one into two. Was it was it primarily influencers still or were you more
0: influencers and Facebook ads. By the by year by the end of year one, it started to shift. And year two, I'd say probably it was like 70% Facebook and then 30% mm. influencers. Like that's all we really did. Obviously, Google was probably 10, 15% as well. Is it only one product? Primarily? Um it was for a while. Yeah. It was for a while. The reason year two got Challenging. There was a couple of reasons. Um, for one, like, and I know you've, you've you've spoken about this as well. And I actually hired my cousin as our finance manager. He was way too qualified to work for me. I, you know, I essentially poached him from like a multi-billion dollar company where he was mm. running like billion dollar projects. But he's like, because I went to him after after George left, I wanted to hire like, because I was doing like more of the marketing and, and the branding and stuff. And George was doing mainly like the operations and, and the finance stuff. And I was looking to hire someone to replace George essentially, and I was going to give him like five, 10% equity in the business. Um, and I went to, to speak to my cousin to help me like put together a JD for the role and mm. you know, help me plan out how, how much should I pay him? What, what equity should I give him? And I guess, cause he's six years older than me. And I don't think my family realized the sort of numbers we were doing. Mm. And he's like, i right, bring your P and L. We'll go through it and, and, I'll, and I'll help you make a decision. And I put, remember putting the, the, the stuff in front of him and he's just like going through it and he's like shaking his head and he couldn't believe it. He's like, what the, he couldn't believe what we were doing. he's like, you know, like if you want, I can, I can come work, work with you. And I thought, fuck, are you serious? Yeah. Like my my cousin was like my hero growing up. You know what I mean? I thought fucking like hundred percent, if you're keen, let's do it. So he came and helped us structure the business a lot better and like, we were wasting money on so many things we shouldn't have been. So it's like year two, we probably, we did very similar revenue because like, how do you continue to grow that fast off one product? Mm. But in terms of how we were set up and how much money we, we had at the end of the day, that was a lot better. But the reason year two got challenging, there's probably two main reasons. Um, and it was because like, I'm, um, Again, I don't regret it. But it's like, you know, when you talk about, you go on podcasts, you speak at events, you talk about the success, you get the Daily Mail articles about, mm. you know, you've done, you know, 8 million in the first whatever, 10 months, whatever it was, the copycats. Yeah. So probably f- from about nine months into about 18, 18 months into so in that nine month window, we went from no competitors to on our track. And this is only the people in Australia that, that we knew about. There was 110 Really, and they were ripping our all outs, selling the same shit, selling the same shit, the same. The product looked exactly the same as well. But luckily, what we did, we knew this was going to happen. We didn't think it would happen so quickly. Um, we designed our own our own product, and we owned all the IP and the patents on that. So hmm. luckily, we did because you're getting compared to people. You know what it's like if you have a private label business, which again we weren't ex- ex- exactly private label. We made changes from the start because we. Wanted to have the highest quality product possible because being in Australia, if you have an electrical product and your standards aren't up there, you're gonna get put out of business, essentially. And um that was the second, probably one of the I'm pretty sure I can talk about this. Um we had like a letter from the TGA come in one day. Mm. It's like essentially shut down your business right now. You're not allowed to be selling this, you need to be registered you know a class one medical device you need to be registered if you don't comply xyz yeah and we just thought what the fuck man um and we knew that no one else got the letter they only sent it to us because we were by far the biggest we were the only ones on their radar but we solved that problem and ended up being okay but for like a month i was thinking like fucking lose everything here
1: mm. Mm. how did the competitors affect things did you actually see like ad costs going up repeat rates coming down were they're just undercutting you.
0: Undercutting, yeah. Selling it for half the price. Mm. And we knew we were never going to do that. And um, yeah, stealing our content, some of it sometimes they would go to the trouble of blurring out our logo in the yeah. ads, other times they wouldn't. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh and it's like, you know what the Facebook algorithms like? If someone would go on our website and then someone else is They'll just a- get hit
1: by all the others. Exactly.
0: So yeah, it, it. I fucking hated it, and it really pissed me off for a while. But I remember bumping into the high smile guys in an event. Not that, like, and they they. I said like, "What did you guys do with all the you know the rip offs and the competition?" And they're like, "You just got to ignore it." And I'm thinking, like, I'm like, "What sort of answer is that? Like, how do you just ignore mm. it?" But then you realize it doesn't stop. You just fucking have to. So yeah, you guys have had started to have problems with that, right?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I had it loads with Neon. Um, I had it with Midnight City as well. Guys, literally just taking my designs and images. But then probably more annoyingly with with, with the mushroom stuff, yeah. Mm. I mean, you have to view it as, like, if you're doing anything first or in a different way, people are going to copy it.
0: And what's, like, the highest form of flattery is imitation. Yeah. So it's, like, obviously we're doing something right. But it's still because, like, all our ad ideas, like, we were pretty revolutionary. Like, it's not like we were doing anything, like, incredibly techie, but, like, we essentially created a whole trend in, like, a style of video and then f- – there's obviously the ones that downloaded it and actually ran mm. our ads, which was, yeah, you know, and then like, cause you can of get them taken down, but it's like the amount of time you spend getting these things taken down, you realize you fucking use them almost a the whole person's like day, yeah. all day, every day. So you're like, where do you draw the line? Do you, do you stop them? Do you chase mm. them? And then there's just the fucking hundred other people popping up anyway. So yeah, that was, um, that was a big challenge, but I, uh, we reflected on it. This was probably like a year ago or so now from that list, I randomly found it when I was looking through something through our Google drive. And from that 110, there was like two or three others that were still in business. We were the only, you know, couple.
1: Yeah. I think it's a mindset. If you're going to copy something and rip ads, then you never had the fucking mineral yeah. in the first place to do something.
0: And it's like, I betcha, uh, like, I betcha a lot of them made like a quick couple hundred grand and then, you know, couldn't continue, but mm. people would have made money and then Cause like they see the articles and they they hear you doing the interviews and my cousin was like you got to stop doing these interviews and like fuck well it's too late everybody started
1: yeah um there's pros and cons to that pros
0: shit. and cons yeah 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 but um yeah man it was it was it was, it was a crazy period like I would no like obviously I did sales in in corporate environment for like eighteen months but like I was just fucking running my own race I you know didn't really. Didn't really understand what it meant to be in business. Like I, I got a really quick education in operating and, I, and I've said this as well. Like again, that hundred million figure, like I, I used to think I'd, I'd loved one day to build a hundred million dollar business, but now I don't think I do. I don't, I'm not a CEO. I'm not an operator. I'd rather start businesses and, you know, mm. just spend time doing the things I enjoy. And if that means owning less or, or exiting early or whatever that looks like. I think that's best for me. And yeah, I just, I've realized the lesson that, you know, again, it's pretty like, I don't want to sound like a dickhead. Cause like when you've made like millions of dollars in the, like, it's easy to say money doesn't really make you happy. But when I realized like it got to a point and we had to make a big pivot, this is probably like three years in, well, I had like, you know, 10, 15 staff. I had some older, some younger. I'm like, how the fuck do I manage all these people? Mm-hmm. I started fucking hating it, the actual process of it. So mm, made a lot of changes in the- In what the way?
1: Years. So in the last two years, I guess, because you're still yeah. you're running the business. Yeah. That was three years in.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I had to move some staff on, which wasn't which wasn't fun.
1: But because you wanted to down, like- what was the logic? I wanted to, yeah. What, what, I, like you, you didn't like it. What was the thought process to make these changes? I as wanted, well as what were they?
0: yeah, I, um, I didn't want to, I realized pretty quickly, like, I didn't want to have to baby people. Mm. I didn't want to, you know what I mean? I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. I said a better operator, a more mature person could have figured out the best way to get, to get the best out of people in the team. But for me, what I did, and yeah, probably about two years ago, we made these changes and it's the best thing I've ever done in terms of the quality of my life and how much I enjoy the business is some of them, like there was one girl that was our first full time staff that was with us for three years and she was the best. And she, she came to me and wanted to to move on. And it was probably the right time for everyone. Like the staff start to lose motivation after about Mm -hmm. three years as well. And like, there's only so much progression you can have in like, even if you're an econ brand doing good, like. You know what I mean? There's only so much progression, and then we cut down to probably half the amount of staff. And I hired some friends, and I paid them more per person, but they were actual leaders in the business and mm. could like run. Like some would run all our design stuff, some would run our operations. I obviously had my cousin who ran the finance stuff. And and when I did that, I realized, holy shit, I'm so much happier doing this. And I definitely could have made more money, and I could have probably scaled in other ways. But I feel like the ways we have scaled and grown, and the and and the, the ways we do operate our business now. It enables me to live more of a stress-free life, as much as you can when you're in business.
1: Um, so, how did that affect growth? Then, did you keep growing? Did you want to keep growing? I um, how did things look over those those two three years?
0: Look when when you when you make you know twelve million dollars in, in in the in the first year and the second year is pretty similar. It's pretty pretty Seven hard high to, bar. It's pretty hard to 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 grow. I, I I um and this is where I learned a lot of my cousin as well. We stopped looking so much at top line and started focusing more on bottom line. And that was a mm. big change. And then something that we did probably around the three year mark as well, which I don't fucking know why I, I was against the retail at the beginning, but eventually like, cause it, we were speaking about your mate who's potentially um, negotiating a deal with Altar in the early stages of that. People tell me all the time how hard it is to get into the deal with Altar, but like they essentially came to us mm. and we're like, yeah, all right. And it's like, they completely changed our business. Like ridiculously so now probably the last 12 months um we've been focusing on retail growth just starting on like onboarding with walmart as well which is Sick. fucking crazy so different you know like
1: so how much but- revenue comes from retail now because i just launched in the first retailer last week we did nationwide holland and Barrett, mm. which is the first time i've done retail and it was they came to me as well but i'm doing a, a canned version now Cause I want to, I want to bring that to like Walmart. Eventually. Like an RTD. Something. Yeah, an RTD. Yeah, yeah, nice. A mushroom pink RTD. Um, someone's going to rip it now. But yeah, like how, how much percentage is, is that taking over D2C? Is that-
0: It hasn't yet, but it will, I think, potentially. like yeah. Probably a couple mil US mm. that this year, the next next coming year. And then if we continue to to grow the way we're looking, and it's, and it's predominantly been in the US so far because- they're so far behind in hair removal that this is still a completely innovative product to them.
1: They're like, What? So, how long did you say just Australia then? Was it the first few years or has it always been? No, like it was in the US.
0: It was always like kind of like similar to you it was the first until Black Friday year one, it was just Australia. Hmm. So, for like the first nine months, and then we had opened it up worldwide, but it was only probably 18 months to two years in that we started really focusing. Um, internationally. And when I say internationally, it was really Australia, New Zealand, US, Canada. Like mm. we're in the UK for a bit. Yeah. We were shipping from our own warehouse. The VAT was fucking ridiculous. Like the, the shipping <laughs> prices were ridiculous. They are now like what's the HMRC wants everyone to be registered as a taxpayer in the mm. UK we're just like, you know what? It's more trouble than good being in here right now. Um so yeah. I don't know if that answers your question.
1: So you think America could be it's way big Long the term.
0: It's looking that way, yeah. Like And we're probably in about close to maybe 500 stores now, but the goal just with Ulta alone is that they've got like a thousand stores plus another 300 semi stores. Like we want to, so if we just continue our growth trajectory with them, then essentially that should double if not, you know, 2.5 and then Walmart, there's fucking 10,000 stores in the U S or whatever that is. So.
1: So do you think your goals with the business have changed since when you started it and Mm -hmm. had this rapid rise? Mm -hmm. And if so, like, where do you see it going? You said you start, you like starting brands, mm. similar to me. Do you see yourself being involved in this for the next five, 10? Probably not that long, years. to
0: be honest. Um, but I'm in no rush, like, because again, like it's still profitable. I don't have to work. Like the, I don't know how it, how we set it up this, but I, I probably work honestly, if I'm honest. And like p- some people don't know this, probably f- <laughs> 20% of my time is Happy Skin these days. And it still does very well without minimal effort. Mm. Because I think we had like, the I think the first, the first movers advantage was really important for us. But like, we've actually spent a lot of money on on the product innovations. And like, when you have the best product in the market, and now when I say best product, I know there are big companies like Philips and Braun and shit that have been in tech for ages, but they don't take their laser hair removal devices seriously. Mm. It's one of their, you know, hundred something skews. We've, I, I will say hand on heart, we've got the best product, the best quality of any e you know, driven business. Um, and just that has placed us in a really good position. And we've, yeah, we've, I can't say too much in terms of what might happen with retail, but mm. I reckon another year or two of growing that. And maybe there's, maybe that'll be a time for me to, you know, give it to someone who can take the rent even further.
1: Where's the 80% of your time, Gavin?
0: Well, I do too much, man. I uh, I, uh, I do too much. And that's something that I've been consciously, I, I'm the type of person that likes to bite off more than I can chew. And then chew as hard as I can to hmm. kind of catch up, which like a lot of people say, like your business or your life will never outgrow you. Whereas like I force it to outgrow me, then I have to try and catch up. Um, but obviously like the podcast is, is a big one. I, same as you bro like i've got like a, a mentoring program that that i launched a few months ago which is, which is good but like for me even that teaching people how to like to start an e brand is one thing but for me my my real passion is education and personal development so while now it's predominantly like an e-commerce training platform and, and people can book calls with me there's a much bigger vision for that i want to build a an education company that changes the way people learn. Cause like you and I both know that the traditional system doesn't actually give you Mm. any value and set you up for any sort of success in your life. So there's that. I've got another brand as well that I probably haven't really spoken too much about publicly just because I don't know why, to be honest, but Dahlia, that's going pretty well. Yes. So so what's that? It's, um, it's a, it's a period pain, like a drug free period.
1: You love making shit that you can't use yourself.
0: I use myself. I know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm, um, look, I, that opportunity kind of, and it's a great product now, like the hair removal product as well. Like you said, with your product, you can't please everyone. Right. But Dahlia has been almost exclusively positive feedback, mm. which is, which is really good. Some, for some, for some girls, it'll, you know, maybe take off 10, 20% of their pain and, and relax their cramps. For some, it'll fucking work wonders. But I'm yet to really have a bad experience from any customer, which is great because, like hair removal, there's so many things that can go wrong. It doesn't work for certain people, or someone might have a certain reaction to IPL and it doesn't work for their skin. So, but again, for me, and, and this is being honest, and you know, most people won't say this, and I haven't really fucking spoken too much about this stuff, I guess, myself, but it's like I want to stop making businesses that I'm not really passionate about just just mm. to make money. You know what I mean? I'm in the, I'm in the position I am now, and I'm going to see them out. And I've got a really great team that lead both businesses probably more than I do. Obviously, I'm still very involved in the direction and the strategy, and you know, signing new deals and and what we, what sort of offers we're going to run and that sort of stuff. But I've realised that you know, for me, I'd rather make you know, we we spoke about in in your podcast in the podcast before when I when I interviewed you, like, what's your number that you think you can be really satisfied and and I've made a lot more money than this in a year, but I think like if I can just make. 500 grand a year, but I genuinely love what I do every single day. I'd choose that over, you know, a $50 million business making five to 10 million a year in profit.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: And, but it took me making money to realize that.
1: I feel like a lot of people have this realization where they, I don't know, you have to make some and lose some and make some more, or whatever. <sighs> and then you become... I feel like guys get more spiritual as they get older. I don't know. Definitely. Is that a thing? Yeah. I certainly feel that way. Definitely. And like- Where what matters definitely pivots.
0: Don't get me wrong. Like I, I still want to have a business that does $100 million a year. Like who, who doesn't? But I'm only going to do that and chase that if, it, if I truly enjoy the process. And it's like, I guess maybe that's how you've kind of been working more in alignment with this brand. It's like, no, you really fucking love the industry you're in. And it's like at times I've envied people that do this because like, how much am I going to talk about hair removal on my socials?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Especially when you got really hairy chest.
0: Exactly. Like I can't fucking use the products. Like it's a great brand and it's a great product and a lot of people love it and it's done. You know, it's it's given like there's there's mums out there that either couldn't really afford it, like laser hair removal, or couldn't or didn't have the time because you know managed running a household. They live in the country and they've sent us messages and things like. This is like, it might seem like a really shallow product, but like it's, it's really helped give me back like some, some confidence and yeah. body put that I haven't had. And, and that's great. And, and I love that. But for me, like it gets to the point where that's not, that's no longer enough. And I want to work, just work on really cool shit. So I'm kind of in the process and I have been for the last 18 months of changing up my whole life. But when you've got as much on your plate as me, you can't do that overnight. Do you know what I mean?
1: You mentioned moving to London. Mm. I'd love to. Is that, is that one of those many things in your play or is that just a, a pipe dream?
0: Nah. Well, I can like, uh, my, my dad's English, my mum's Irish, so I can get like- Oh a really? My
1: dad's Irish, yeah. my mum's English. It's yeah. the opposite.
0: Um, so I can get both passports, which I'm I'm in the process of doing.
1: Just I applied for an Irish one last week. Yeah? Yeah.
0: How many passports can you have? Can you only have
1: two? Or can you I don't know. I've Irish only got one? one right now.
0: Yeah. Cause I want to get all three because I still want to have access to the EU. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I want to move over here. I, I've, I've always wanted to live somewhere other than Australia and like Australia is great. It's beautiful. It's clean, but like, it's honestly a little bit boring if you're like a really mm. ambitious person, like whenever I'm in London or whenever I'm in New York, I never feel like I'm missing out on anything. Cause like mm. all the biggest shit's happening here, but in Australia, it's like, you're kind of a big fish
1: in a small 24 hours away from everywhere. Yeah.
0: You know That's what I mean? Big. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess I've probably got to the point at home where I'm really comfortable and a part of me doesn't like that. Like I'm too comfortable. It's too easy. Life's too good. And -hmm. like, I feel like I wouldn't want to get complacent because I've never been a complacent person. I've always been really ambitious and driven, but I think like obviously as well, I've been with my partner for two years, established businesses, you know, I live in a really cool place, but it's like, I'm just, life's gotten a little bit too easy. I think.
1: I want to go back to, 'cause it seems like a really meteoric rise, which is definitely rare I guess you went from living at home with your parents how soon did your lifestyle change and and, and what were those changes? did you do any, any of the stupid shit I did, which isn't stupid, but you know you make a bit of money and you're fucking male and have testosterone um and and has that was there a peak in a trough where you you realized i don't know I, you haven't mentioned any of that, so I reckon I would imagine there's an element of. Lifestyle creep, and maybe look. There, that's different now. There, there was to a
0: to an extent. I think. um I think one of the things that I'm I'm quite proud of myself is that I didn't change. Like the money didn't didn't really change who I am as a person much. Now there was a small period for probably six months where you know buying Gucci, Louis, all this fucking bullshit stuff. Bought a bought like a nice car after like three months. But I'm like, what you making that much money? You're gonna have to. But I realized pretty quickly that like. I was buying all this designer stuff and I'm like, it's so fucking ugly. It's not even what I would wear anyway. Why the fuck am I doing mm. this? And then as well around that period, there's like a lot of like the Ecom circle in Australia, as you can imagine for brands doing like multiple seven figures is pretty small. So you all start to like meet each other and you see people where like you might all be kind of year one or two in and you're all, you know, all doing pretty well. And then you see some people turn into absolute fucking gronks. Mm. And I'm like, I do not want to be that person. And like their fucking ego is so inflated and like they treat people differently. And I realize, like, dude, like you used to come to me for advice and, and and all this stuff. And now like some people go to you for advice and you just brush them because you think you're too cool or you're making too much money. And I just never wanted to be someone like that. Cause like I said, I'm a working class. I come from a working class family, went to public schools my whole life. And I don't know how, cause I definitely had in high school, like a little bit of an arrogant side to me not not in like just like a I could have gone two ways like I had that because I had that confidence I was a little bit cocky but it was always like playfully cocky but if I didn't make the right choices I easily could have turned into a massive dickhead like without a doubt but yeah I'm still close all my best friends are like my high school friends Mm. and I think there's pros and cons to that. Not cons in the, in, in, in any way. Like I fucking love them to death because I'm so busy with everything I do. And like my job's pretty social now, particularly with the podcasts and fucking the mentoring and stuff. It's like, by the time I get to a weekend, all I want to do is fucking chill at home or I want to see like my best mates. And that's great. They've kept me grounded and they're fucking legends and they've gone all gone on like their own self-growth journey. But I also don't have... In my immediate circle, like like you do like other absolute killers
1: like is that. that is that because you're living in Australia, do you think? do you think it's rarer?
0: I think probably that's a good point, like me and George still catch up quite a lot, and like he's the same, but I think the reason I you know after separating in business for a while, we probably didn't speak that much for a year or two. You mm-hmm. just need that time after fucking living in each other's pockets like generally all day, every day for like two years. And I feel like that's why we still have such a great connection because we don't really have other people in our lives that, that get it. And like, as I said, the e circle in Australia is pretty small. And I know other people that have brands fucking, you know, doing seven figures or multiple eight figures, well, way bigger than, than, than anything I've built. But I just don't like forcing relationships with people that I don't truly mm. really enjoy hanging out with. And, and maybe it's because there's not as many people in Australia that, you know, That are there. But yeah, I've been thinking about that recently. Am I limiting myself in the way that I just hang out with like my same mates all the time? And I don't mean that in any way against them. I love them, but like I'm not inspired in a business sense to push myself from the people closest to me.
1: But do you think you have to be? Because this is something I've been thinking about lately. Everyone just assumes that more is better, especially in entrepreneurship. Like if it's a bigger business, it's better. If there's more employees, it's better. If there's bigger revenue profits, it's better. But you've just said yourself, you'd rather make 500K doing X than 10 times that doing something you didn't like and was stressful. So like, what, w- what is anyone, w- what are you actually striving for? Yeah. You know? Cause I, it's a weird one. I think there's a, there's a cultural thing going on where just like Instagram and money, Twitter and so on. I don't know how vocal you are on Twitter, but it's a fucking cesspit of lies. People just think more money at the expense of everything is better. But no one talks about like the quality of what they're doing, like the impact of what they're doing, the fucking way it makes them feel, which probably makes me sound like a right spiritually (laughs) in touch person, which maybe my younger self wouldn't have been. But I don't know. It's a strange. I I think about it more now. Mm -hmm. Like what am I actually trying to do? How does it make me feel? Am I just chasing bigger numbers because my mate looks like he's doing bigger numbers? Yeah. I mean, like someone said to me the other day, like, it's actually one of my investors. He said, do you actually enjoy doing this? And I was like, this week, probably not. Like if someone just offered me X amount, which probably way less than I'd have said a few years ago. I'd probably just pack it in. Mm. <laughs> I, said, I have days like that. Definitely yeah. do.
0: And it's like the devil and the angel on my shoulder. You know what I mean? Like I've got a pretty strong intuition. And like I said, I don't even know if it was on this podcast, or the last one, like I feel like I can do anything I want to do but I can't force myself to do something I don't want to do. So it's like intuitively my body, you know, what is doing what I've been doing hangs out with the same people, lives, mm. lives the same sort of life. So Obviously I, I, I do cool shit that you can only do if you have a little bit of money, but then it's also, I think it's the outside noise, maybe from social media, everyone's like, you know, networking this and you can fucking, you know what I mean? You get the, you just see people and like, Everyone talks about it's all about your network and X Y Z and all this stuff, but I just I've always been the type of person that I'd rather do it on my own terms, in my own way. I'm not going to fucking suck up to anyone so they can introduce me to this person or whatever. I'd rather fucking if if it's meant for me, it will happen in my own way, and it's it's worked for me so far. But there's definitely days where you question if I made more of an effort to you know make build relationships with people a little bit more strategically where I could be and how quick I would have got there. But like, I, as I said, I, I acted for a bit. I, I've been over to LA a couple of times and I fucking hated it. Mm. Like it's a fun city to go on a holiday, yeah. but the Jesus. people, every, every interaction, what can I get style. out of you? Yeah, And it makes me sick. So it's like, yeah, it's that balancing act, I guess. But yeah. yeah, the the podcast is the way that, you know, I get to build relationships with people that I think are cool, you know? Yeah. Same. Rather than going out of my way. It's a
1: good excuse to meet people for like two or three hours.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because what, what other time do you have an opportunity to, even if you go to those events and whatnot, and to be honest, like I went to a lot of business seminars and stuff, you know, in the first like year before business and the, and the second year after it. But to be honest, and like I don't know if this is me being closed-minded and by no means do I think I'm fucking all there and I've, you know, I'm the complete package far from it, but it gives me a bit of an ick now about that, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm still dealing with it myself. I'm trying to figure the best way forward from, from here.
1: Do you think having a girlfriend is good?
0: I think it's, I think it's, I think it's great in the sense that.
1: I said it's good. It sounds like a bit of an open question, but how do you think that helps you as an entrepreneur? I mean, I've asked plenty of people about this on the pod Mm. (laughs) and there's been different opinions. I, I obviously shared mine, I think off camera, um, Mm.
0: I think it's great in the sense that my current girlfriend is the best support in the world. Like she helps me, like she, she, she's self-employed as well. Like she's had mm. businesses in the past. And mainly she just does like content creation and, and like shoots and stuff, but she's like the most supportive person ever. And in that sense, it's great. You know what I mean? But also it's like, why am I going to, you know, everyday work till 1030 when I could go home and hang out with her? at seven and just fucking have fun. So it's like, I'm probably not as ambitious. It's not as I'm not as ambitious. I probably choose to spend more time hanging out and having fun and enjoying life, which I think is great. But in terms of me, you know, building as big a business as I can, I'm probably not as putting as much of a focus onto that, which I don't think is is the wrong decision, but it's obviously just, it's a fact. Do you think
1: that comes with age by default or do you think that comes by just experiencing certain things when you're young and realising what you actually care about. Because I feel like everyone when they're in their early 20s thinks they're the next Elon Musk. And then most of them, even entrepreneurs, most of them by 30 know they're not and probably don't give a fuck. Mm. Do you know what I mean?
0: I don't think it's an age thing because there is some people that, you know, are still in their late 30s, 40s who are, you know, all they care about is how much money they make, how big their business is. But I think- I think a lot of the people, and this is obviously a generalization, but I think a lot of the people that, you know, all they think about is, you know, financial goals are super insecure. Mm. It's like, why? Like, again, you ask yourself why five times, why do you need to make that much money? Why does your business need to be this big? And I just feel like because I'm not insecure with that stuff, it's fucking – because, like, when I didn't have money, all I wanted to do was make money. You know what I mean? When I didn't – like – we're talking about, I think before chatting about girls, it's like when I was younger, like all I wanted to do was be able to get whatever girl I wanted, like the best girl. Mm. And like now that I've got money and I've got an incredible good partner, beautiful, smart, you know, it's like I've kind of ticked off a lot of the life goals I had. So it's like recalibrating a lot now. And that's why to me, what's more important isn't, obviously I'm still very goal orientated. And I think about my goals and the direction in life often But the metric I measure success on more more and more today is like, how much do I enjoy what I do? Looking back at the week, was I happy? Like, you know, you have those weeks like, fuck. And -hmm. I still have heaps of weeks where I maybe spend 70% of time doing things I didn't want to do. And I thought, fuck, I have to make changes. I just want to enjoy the fucking process. I'm lucky enough now that I've got the money in the bank that I could not work for, you know, however many years and be sweet. So it's like, now that I've got that opportunity, I'm still an ambitious driven person. I want to be extremely successful. But like just choose the things that you fucking enjoy. So that's why I like the podcast and a lot of other cool shit I want to do that's maybe not just inside of e-com because like I, I love e-com and I think it's a great vehicle, but could I only do e-com for the rest of my life? Probably not.
1: Do you think you'd have gone into e-com at all if you were born with money? It's a really good question. So um, You're obviously good at it.
0: Yeah. I think I'm very entrepreneurial, which isn't something that I knew early on reflecting back, I was, but because of like the education system and, you know, what I saw around me, I never considered myself, you know, an, an entrepreneurial person, but now every time I look at something, I meet someone, I have an experience, I have a bad experience with a product or I, or I do something, I, I, I think of everything in the terms of, in a commercial sense as a business. Hmm. So I think I would have started some form of business, but whether it would have been e com or, or not, who knows, like. I think my biggest dream now is just like, I want to enjoy the pa- passage of time. And I know that sounds so fucking cliche, but if money wasn't an object for me in the world, what would I do? I'd probably make doc- documentaries about things I think is really cool.
1: i produce probably like do that. You know what I mean? Make movies. Yeah.
0: And like, that goes back to the acting thing as well. Like I really enjoyed that. I didn't stop acting because I didn't enjoy it. I stopped it because I didn't want to have to keep asking some other person for a job, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm. Where do you see yourself in 10 years then? Because you it sounds like you've done a lot and thought about this a lot. Yeah. How many pivots can can one have in a life? Maybe by 39 you want to start something else Um. go again.
0: The thing is like there's, I'll answer the question in the best way I can, but also what I love about my life is I don't know where I'll be in two years. Yeah. That excites me. The thought of knowing where I'll be, like people have, five year plans and shit. Like if I know where I'm going to be in five years, that's the definition of fucking depression for me. I can't handle it. I love like freedom is a really fucking really big, important driving value for me. And like, I want to have the ability to change my mind and do what I want in five years. And then what if I want to do something different in six years or seven years, I want to do that. But the direction I think I'm going is I, um I really enjoy the content side of things, and it's not something I've really taken seriously. And I know you are, you can relate to this because how how difficult the it exact can be, same yeah how difficult it can be to prioritize that when you've got a business to run. and Like the content is costing me money, not making me mo- mm. you know what I mean. So it's yeah, like, yeah. but I think as I tie up some of these things and, and move forward, I'll definitely have always have businesses because I can't help myself. But I think I'll probably lean more into my passions, whether it be you know making documentaries. Um, I'd love to be an author one day. Like I'm super interested in personal development. Even the stuff that you're doing, biohacking, nootropics, different types of mushrooms, all that sort of stuff. I just want to explore my interests and businesses will come off the back of that. The the form they come in, I'm not sure. But I think I really enjoy the the, the media content production side of things. So hopefully it's more aligned with that.
1: I feel like everyone on their dog has a podcast these days. But do you know do you know what's interesting about content? I've always thought I, I used to have a YouTube channel when I was like 16, then another one when I was like 20, and then this one which is the pod. Everyone will play football and no one will complain that you're not Cristiano Ronaldo. But if you're making videos and no one watches it, people are like, oh, he's making videos, no one watches it. Mm. I've always thought that's the strange thing about content and like social media. Um, Unless it's just the way I've always felt about it. Like I was really embarrassed putting up a video the first time because no one would watch it. But obviously no one watches it because it's Mm. the first thing you've put up. Mm. I I don't even know what my point is there, but I've just Mm. noticed that I think society is weird because people are just so used to consuming, not creating. So if someone actually tries to create something
0: yeah, and I, put their
1: I, face on a, ca- on a video, people I, just get sick. stick. Yeah. Like comments on TikTok, like I've mentioned a few clips in the pod that have gone viral. I just don't even read them because they're all just fucking miserable. Yeah. And it's just, it's like a slice of society. Um, but sadly it's the, it's the negative ones that are the loudest, right? Because they're the ones that are writing shit online.
0: Yeah, but it's like that with everything. And I think it's human nature. And like I've had a very conscious decision starting the podcast. And like we haven't tried to grow it in any way. Hmm. We've just and probably honestly, because I knew I had this trip coming up. I was going to be traveling for like six or so weeks. That I probably um and this goes back to the maybe I'm a little bit too comfortable yeah. thing. It's like I wanted to do like a year, not think about any numbers and you know, not 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 worrying about any of that. But I think now when we go back, I kind of want to, you know what I mean? Like I've put in the, I've put in the groundwork for the podcast. Like I've, we've built a lot of systems we've built a, a pretty sick studio. Now I want to really treat this more, of, more as a business than a hobby. Mm. Not as a business to make money, but I want to see how fucking far we can take this. Um, so it's going to be exciting when we go back. Like got a lot of really cool shit on my mind, but it's also like a big part of the past 12 months was clearing space both mentally and in terms of time, but it's hard. I've always been a guy that wants to do a lot of things. And it's like, I've struggled to, to at times focus on, you know, one thing. So
1: yeah, same. mm, If you had to pick now the e-commerce businesses or the podcast, which one would it be? Fuck. Um, You have to start the other one off entirely
0: could I exit and get money for the econ businesses or it's just walk away and uh, I guess, I guess so. Yeah. Well, probably I'd, I'd probably, decision. I'd probably do that, but like I'd probably keep the podcast, mm. which is fucked. And I, and I'd hate it because I, I want to do both. And I don't think I'll ever just do one thing, but I think the podcast, if I'm brutally honest with myself is more aligned with who I am as a person and what I enjoy. And it's not, you know, econ was great because it was a really great vehicle to make money and, there is impact in in me building businesses that help people or, or helping people build businesses, however I look at it. But truly in a selfish way, what I enjoy doing the most is, is, you know, the podcast or the content side of things. And if I can only do one thing for the rest of my life, I do that. And this is why I started it. I was, I was guests on heaps of fucking podcasts for ages. And you would see them like you get interviewed by some people and they're shocking hosts. They're fucking so shit like me today because i'm rusty
1: no 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 and like semi hungover no i mean popper,
0: just you know very average and like i'm the guest but i'm kind of being the host at the same thing I realize like fuck all these people doing it like why don't i and i, I wanted to do a podcast for like mm. a year and a half before i did and like you always have these excuses you're so busy you're so busy and then you're like you realize fuck i'm being one of those people that yeah says i'm gonna you know what i mean um but really like this is this is what i do like if I want to figure out my next move, I always want to make money and that'll always be a driver in it. But most of the time I make decisions based off would I do this for free? If I do it for free, then let's go.
1: Yeah. What's been the hardest day of the past five years? <sighs> the hardest day. Probably
0: when George said he, he wants to leave. Why? because on such a high doing it with a mate, mm. you know what I mean? And it was such a shock at the time. I haven't really talked much about this and we talk about it all the time. He's going to come on and we're going to do a special episode of the pod and be, be fully honest and out there. But if I'm honest, like that, like obviously the, the TGA day, you know, was a big one. Like having like, there's, there's been bad days in, in business and shit go wrong and, you know, people threatening to sue you and whatnot and all that sort of stuff. But I think truly, if I'm honest, probably that. And it was great for me, like down the line. And it was, and it was the best thing that could have happened. But at the time,
1: probably that. Must have been the best day?
0: <sighs> Honestly, bro, probably the third day that we, long- oh man, no, the day we qu- I quit my job.
1: And that, how how far in was that? You always... I probably told him about
0: two weeks or three weeks after we launched. Yeah. And.
1: That's a historic scale. Yeah. It's and then a, I, a clean Chad scale.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but then I like. The whole first, th- like, cause I've, I had a really good mate that was working with me on that job and like, it wasn't bragging in any way. Like I'd come in each day, I'd show him the Shopify, like made like fucking five grand or whatever it was. And like that period of my life was like, it's when life started for me. Mm. It's like, cause I always knew for whatever reason, like I said, I didn't come from money. No one in my business, no one in my family had businesses even when I wanted to be an actor, I was always out of this big dream, this vision for more, this like, I'm going to have a fucking special life. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but I just know that I'm going to get to live fucking some epic life and I'm going to get to do all these things I've always dreamed of. i had no no reason to to necessarily believe it. I just always did. And that was the start of that. And that's when I realized that, fuck, life can genuinely but be whatever you want it to be. And that whole period, but the day I quit my job was the best. And I remember just goes to show how fucked the corporate system is. Like, I guess all my bosses, they knew about it when I was working on the business, right? They were supportive. They knew about the idea, whatever. The day I launched, the next day I come into the office and the two bosses call me into a meeting. They're like, Dylan, we need, we need to have a chat. I'm like, all right. And they pull out my contract and they, they show it here. It's like, do you see this, you know, fucking article 7.13 hmm. in your contract saying that you can't own a directorship in any other business, there's conflict of interest, blah, blah, blah. And they tried to fucking put it on me. And I remember just thinking like, guys, what the fuck are you... Like, you've known about this the whole time. What did you think? I was never going to launch. And like, we just feel like you're not going to be able to perform. You're going to be sidetracked, this and that. And, you know, I'm like, no, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. Like, trust me, whatever. I'm I'm committed. And they're like, they ended up believing me. And then I remember just thinking like, fuck this, I'm just going to quit anyway. And that's the best day of my life, quitting a job like I could never be an employee ever again.
1: Could never do it. Do you think you could go back to zero right now and, and be, and be happy still. Or is it easy to say like spiritual shit when you're not worrying about paying bills, playing devil's advocate?
0: I'd love to say I would, but probably not. Hmm. Like if, if we say like, yeah, it's hard. Like
1: if well, I, I guess like, if you're going back to zero with the knowledge and experience you have, it's never really zero, right? It's
0: never really zero. And like, the way I'm set up, like I can never go back to zero because like if my business has got taken away and shit, like I've still got, you know, cash and mm. stuff. But yeah, like, I don't know. Like, you know, like people say like, I'd fucking love to, like, obviously I wouldn't want to. Yeah. But, you know, and that's fucking bullshit. Like, yeah. because
1: then I'd have Gary to. Gary V would anything. say you'd love to. Yeah. Back in the streets. It's like,
0: I know I can, but it's like, I'm no longer motivated by the chase of money, mm. but maybe then I would mm. again. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I don't think, I don't think anyone would be honest unless they're a fucking monk living in the mountains of the Himalayas. But yeah. Really
1: I guess living just living building, building on stuff. that, if you were starting something again right now, e-commerce, knowing what you know now, mm. but you're back to relatively zero money, what would you do? Because plenty of people watching this will mm. um, will be in that position or similar.
0: I'd do what I did the first time. I'd find a product that was fresh, that was new. I'd find a product that had a reasonably high AOV, you know, $100 to $150 at least, that had the opportunity to also have LTV at the same time. Because like you said, building a, a business that's consumable is great. But if you're a $50 AOV and you don't have a lot of money in the bank, like, I know businesses that are killing it now, but they didn't make a profit for six months until the LTV started to kick in and they finally reduced their CAC. But I'd look for I'd look for I'd look for a product that was new and fresh. And there's a lot of different places you can search, whether it be, you know, ad spies on different accounts or, you know, messaging loads and loads of manufacturers in the niches that you're interested in on Alibaba and saying, hey, what have you got coming out? What's a new product that that's starting to trend? And i do that because I I truly feel like if you can find a product early on, like it doesn't have to be first to market like Abby Skinko, but find a product that Ideally, it can give you visible results because I think it's always easiest to sell people when there's a visible outcome that they can see. Like Mm. it's different for you. Like it's kind of subjective. Do I feel better? Do I not? Yeah, I kind of do, or I do for sure. I'm not sure. Like I think that's more of a long term build. You know what I mean? You're you're building brand equity and 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 you're attracting a sort of person. But if I wanted to make you know half a million in profit quickly, so then I could do whatever I want again, I'd, I'd find a product that was early on and I'd fucking go hard and I'd sell, I'd sell it, you know, one or two years in, and then I would be back in the position I am now where I can choose to spend time doing the things I love.
1: Last question. Mm. Three bits of advice to your 18 year old self upon reflection in hindsight.
0: <sighs> wow. Fuck. Um, three bits of advice. just trust your gut would be the first one because all the best decisions I've made, I've trusted my gut. The times where I've listened to people who were more qualified, older, more experienced, you know, in business whenever I followed that, but for whatever reason inside myself, I knew I felt like it was the wrong way. It always burned me. Partnering with certain agencies who manipulated their way to, you know, be involved with me Mm. really fucked us up for a period of not fucked us up but really stunted stunted growth and took six months to recover from that would be one um another one would just be just fucking be nice to people not that I wasn't but like truly I don't know you tell me like I could make however like I could I could make have a day where we you know make fucking 30 grand profit in my pocket but if I have a really nice interaction with an old lady on the street, I fucking feel way better doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um and if I have a good feeling or a bad feeling about something, action it straight away. Don't think about it for six months. Like, that's probably connected to the first one. But like I've wasted so many, so much time thinking about things or wanting to do things that I knew I wanted to do, but I just didn't because you get caught up in the in the hustle and bustle of life. You know what I mean? Just fucking action shit quicker. You'll get where you want to go quicker. And if you're trusting your gut and you're being nice to people, I feel like you'll end up in a pretty good spot.
1: On that bombshell. We'll wrap it up. Wrap it up, have hey. have like two minutes left. Been a pleasure. As always, subscribe to the pod. In fact, where can they, where can people find you? You've got a pod.
0: Yeah. So they'll see your face on that pretty pretty soon as well. So yeah. the, pod, the podcast is called Life, Money and Love. And then you can just find me, Dylan Mullen with an a n at the end of mullin mullin last name was misspelled all the way throughout school on trophies so yeah life money in love with dylan mullin you'll find out everything if you find me on instagram don't use tiktok too much yet which obviously i fucking should but i
1: Mm. I feel like scared of the comments on there
0: yeah a little bit too a little bit too old in the sense that i just don't give a fuck
1: Mm. you know i'm the same
0: Mm. but yeah reach out if you feel like it
1: sweet sweet subscribe to the pod we'll see you in the next one cheers Um, for watching
0: All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do your friends a favor and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.